these people get on my nerves. This is me. You go to every restaurant and they order chicken fingers every time. <laughs> Those are people not willing Develop to change. Develop your palate. Yeah, man. like, come on, dude. Try something else. Develop your palate. Change it up a little bit. Like, there's a lot of better things out there than chicken fingers. Yeah, get some lobster biscuits. Yeah, get something. God gives us these kids, but they're free wills and they're sinners. Mm-hmm. And so often, I think our strategy is not in line with God's strategy. Mm. Our strategy is you better swallow this pill of Christianity, whether you like it or not. (laughs) Right? We are going to force this in you. Sure. And you're going to like church and you're going to like to read the Bible and you're going to like when we do family worship and when we pray, you're going to pray good, right? You're going to close your eyes and you're going to fold your hands. Welcome to Pastors of the Roundtable. It's great to have you with us today here as we uh, sit around the table and talk about um, actually today letter eight from the screw tape letters. Um, joining me today are three of our four pastors sitting around a round table. So we have a, a quarter of the table that is unoccupied because Pastor Scott is on vacation and uh, we miss him and hope he's doing well. Um, but sitting around the table with me today are Tim Angeli, lead pastor of MNBC, and Matt Bates, music and media pastor here at the church. My name is Spencer Snow. I'm the discipleship pastor at MNBC. Pastors of the Roundtable is the discipleship podcast of Monroe Missionary Baptist Church and is brought to you by Together in Christ, the teaching ministry of MNBC in Monroe, Michigan. Our goal together is to encourage thoughtful discussion about the Christian faith and to connect you to the people and the ministries of MMBC. So uh, last week, guys, we we had a, a, a talk about kind of what our experience has been like the past few months with all the pandemic stuff and, and just life and what it's been like. We just talked about some of that last time. Uh, this week, we want to turn our attention back to the screw tape letters, which we've uh, enjoyed going through. I think it's got some great um, topics and brings up some great thoughts about how to talk about the Christian life, how to... Um, reflect upon our lives as believers and the, the spiritual realities that exist there. And um, so I think it's, it's been great. And I've, I've really been encouraged to hear people come up to me and say they've enjoyed listening to the podcast or they've been um, to hear stories. I think Tim mentioned one about how a friend had, had uh, picked up the screw tape letters. And, and so that's wonderful to hear. I'm glad that people are, are doing that and, and uh, thinking about these things. And we hope it's been a blessing, a blessing to you. Here on letter eight, guys, as we uh, embark upon our conversation here, Screwtape is writing to Wormwood, his nephew, and he's talking here about um, how God uses, and also he's he's writing about how um, people go through ups and downs in their lives, emotionally, um, psychologically, subjectively. We can't always stay on the highs. We sometimes go down to the lows. Now, if you're a Detroit Lions fan, you've been on the low for a long time. But remember, 60 years? As we're going to learn, God uses those times. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Lions fans are very sanctified. Right. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. No, as a side note, by the way, I was reflecting on this. This has nothing to do with this. All right. I was just thinking about how areas that have very horrible traditions of NFL football have great college football. So like Michigan, yeah. you guys have some good college There's football up good here, but there. the Lions, 
You guys are just like, I, I burned out on them. Ohio? You think about the Browns, the Browns and the Bengals? Yeah. Not that great Ohio NFL State. traditions, and they got Ohio State. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I don't know. Florida? Think about it. The Buccaneers have won a Super Bowl, but they're not, you know, the they Bucks. Got Brady now. They got Brady now. But, and Gronk. Okay, so maybe that's an exception to the rule now. Up. But overall, they've not been the greatest franchise. <laughs> the Jaguars and the Dolphins now, but think about the college football there, though. Right, yeah. You know, and... uh so anyway, that's just a side note, but that's, that's just something I've noticed. Um, it's hard here. It's Michigan hard. hasn't been that good lately. Right. Michigan State's, they are right. what they are. Grand Valley. Hey, you yeah, know, the Lakers. You're a Division II fan. Yeah, the Lakers. You know I'm, I, I'm an old Division Twoer right here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, we lost half our audience. Right. The readers who read Screw Tape Letters, we just lost them on football. All on football and sports. <laughs> but... Hey, it just—it's just a good theory to think about. Um, and uh, hey, uh, I went to the University of Toledo. You did. And guess who beat Michigan? They did once. Toledo, thirteen ten. They did once. Two thousand eight, bud. They were had you wide, there? No, two thousand nine. Yes, I was there. I was on the field. They had a wide. Were, it was at Toledo. I was on. They the had a wide receiver who literally caught like forty passes that game. It was at. It was no, ridiculous. it was at the big house. It was. It was at, it was at Michigan. They invited the marching band there. That's why they I was invited there. the Rockets. Yeah, you yeah. little Rockets, come here. And then you guys beat them. <laughs> yeah, we beat them. It's horrible. Wow, was that like? <laughs> a, was terrible. that one of the Lloyd Carr years, or was that no. still? No, it would have been. It might have been Rich Rodriguez. Rich Rod. Rich Rod. Yeah, I think it oh, might no, have been Richard. Yeah. It was either him or Brady Hope. <laughs> it had to be an early early season game. Yeah, it was one of the first ones. Mm-hmm. Okay, wow. Yeah, because they lost to Appalachian State too yeah, one time around. That was coming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Poor Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you got the Red Wings. Uh, <laughs> they stink too. <laughs> now they do. Well, well, you, sorry. Yeah. Come on, stop rubbing this. You're making sorry, it so sorry, depressing. Sorry. sorry. Hey, my team. Okay, we better get off this topic. We can keep going on and on. Let's talk Tigers. They're doing. Oh, oh no. Okay. Five hundred. Five hundred. They haven't had COVID yet. They haven't. Yeah, that's true. So they're still going. They're still going. The Cardinals have had COVID, but they're going, <laughs> playing a lot of doubleheaders. Um, so we, we go up and down. Yeah. Sometimes a lot more down in the uh, <laughs> Michigan fans. But no, he goes about how we're up and down. We're subject to change. And so really what he's going to talk about this whole letter um, here is about the, the basic fact that we have that in our lives mm-hmm. and what God's trying to do through that. Mm. So it's, a, it's kind of interesting insights here. So first of all, Screwtape tells Wormwood that humans, he describes them as amphibians. Yeah. <laughs> so let me read that section right here. He says, humans are amphibians, half spirit and half animal. He says, the enemy's determination to produce such a revolting hybrid was one of the things that determined our father to withdraw his support from him. <laughs> as spirits, they belong to the eternal world, but as animals, they inhabit time. This means that while their spirit can be directed to an eternal object, their bodies, passions, and imaginations are in continual change. For to be in time means to change. So right away he says that because of who we are as creatures, as human beings, we are half spirit, or I should say half, I don't think we're 50%, but we have a soul and a body. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Or we are souls in bodies or embodied souls. And so uh, while we have eternal souls that will never die, we also have bodies that are subject to decay Mm -hmm. and change and go up and go down Mm -hmm. and turn gray Mm -hmm. and, and, and just all those different kinds of things. So God is unchangeable, but we are changeable. And, um, and part of what that means, 
that screw tape is going to tell wormwood is that that means as well that for humans, their emotions go up and down. And he points out eventually that we go through, um, what does he say here? As long as he lives on earth, periods of emotional and bodily richness and liveliness will alternate with periods of numbness and poverty. And he points out that this is not something that is necessarily produced by uh, spiritual forces outside, but this is just simply part of what it is to be human. Mm. Um, why do we not think about this sometimes, the fact that we're subject to change and we can't always expect to live on a spiritual and emotional high? Why is it so easy for us to forget that basic fact of who we are? Hmm. I just don't think we think in that plane. We don't think in that level a lot. We just live in the here and now. So we don't, and we also know, right, scripturally, there's spiritual war happening around us, battles that we cannot see. But how often do we really think about that or even attribute our daily life to those battles that are taking place? I mean, I think if we thought about that more, we'd probably pray a lot more (laughs) as individuals and stuff. So I just just don't think it it comes across. And when when you're talking about, change we talk about change as a good thing for the most part i mean would you guys agree with that i mean when i guess when, it depends on who you are some people don't like change yeah you know but it, some see, people do view the i mean right i mean I in politics we've seen the word change used in a very optimistic yeah. way change is progress change and, and like, hope and things like that i mean that's yeah. been utilized as a hopeful or you know if you're thing. a person who's not willing to change then you're a curmudgeon kind of you know you're you're stuck in maybe an old way. I resemble not, that remark. <laughs> you resemble it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like the secular human, humanists. I mean, they're always, their philosophy is like the betterment of mm. humanity. Right. 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 In their perspective, anyways. Right. Yeah. Right. Like it's always about getting better and better and better. Progressing. Right. Progressing. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Or like, you know, you know, these people get on my nerves. This is me. You go to every restaurant and they order chicken fingers every time. <laughs> Those are people not willing Develop to change. Develop your palate, Yeah, man. like, come on, dude. Try something else. Develop your palate. Change it up a little bit. Like, there's a lot of better things out there than chicken fingers. Yeah, get some lobster biscuits. Yeah, get something. I mean, that's what comes, I guess, to my mind, like, with the change. Like, be willing to try new things, experience things, change things. Um, there's a song, right, with everything. Oh, that's, that's turn, turn, turn. Oh. That's not change, change, change. Oh. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, but <laughs> I think that throws some people off, though, because then when you talk about God and you say the immutability of God, mm-hmm. that God mm-hmm. does not change, it's like, uh, mm-hmm. he's just a curmudgeon or what? Yeah. There is no shadow of turning, turning with, with thee, with thee. Mm-hmm. right? Thou changest not, yep. thy compassions are still not. And when we study that, you see the goodness in that, right? right? But a lot of people don't know right. that and understand yeah. that and so like i said like society where change is progress where change is moving mm-hmm. up to hear god doesn't change is like what mm-hmm. then that that's a problem yeah. So, yeah yeah right and also for us then as we think about what it's going to look like to live it, life in general but then the christian life um taking into account the fact that we are going to change. We're going to go through ups and downs in our lives. And therefore, we should not expect to live on an emotional high all mm-hmm. the time sure. or spiritual. Those will come mm-hmm. because you do go back up, yeah. 
but you're also going to come back down. Mm -hmm. And therefore, like he points out here, your ups and your downs do not automatically um, correspond to your spiritual life or standing. Right. Right. Part of this is just being a person, just being a creature um, with a body and a soul. Yeah. Well, look at Job, they're opposites. I mean, uh, Job was sought or seen very highly in God's eyes. Yeah. But yet, you know, Satan throws everything at him. So, right. uh, You know, health, wealth, and prosperity. I guess we talk about those things a lot. Right. It's completely down, Mm -hmm. but yet his faith is completely up. Right. Right. Yeah. Jesus Christ. I mean, yeah. Through these kinds of things. We'll get to that. I think eventually some Mm -hmm. more uh, great connections there. But I think this is so important, especially for us as, as uh, Christians, to remember that we do not judge our spiritual standing or life based upon our present subjective experiences. Yeah. And I think that is so harmful to people, especially if, if we, you're coming from a church background that teaches you that every Sunday is about you getting rehyped up mm-hmm. again. And that is dangerous to people. Um, Recently, one of the things that was really interesting for me personally was uh, being at my parents' church, um, uh, not this past Sunday, but the Sunday before that. And, you know, you open up the song service and, and we were singing uh, songs and it's hard for my soul to get into it somewhat because they were, they were like, it was to God be the glory. Great song, mm-hmm. right? But I wasn't there yet. But then a brother got up and uh, they have a time of confession of sin. And he brought up about the sin of idolatry and was reading a, a thing. I think it was from Table Talk magazine, just talking about what we can do in idolatry and just exp- just talking about the sin of idolatry. And then after that, we prayed and it's a, and then there's an assurance of pardon mm. that comes right after that. And one of the things that did for me was it met me where I was at. I didn't have to feel like I had to subjectively climb that mountain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that God's word came down to yeah. me where I was in the trough, yep. mm. right? And then it, then it brings you back up to want to sing. Yeah, and so sure. then I'm ready to go up because God's mm. come down and brought me up. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> and I don't feel like I have to manufacture this. Mm. So should and we I, dive into this deeper? Like what was the idol you were worshiping? Himself. Well, <laughs> no, <I don't>. <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding. That's just a kidding. big idol. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, no, I mean, you know, whenever, whenever yeah. you're me, it's hard to be humble. <laughs> it's, especially whenever you're so humble, it's hard to be humble. Um, I know, Tim, you were just saying the same thing earlier. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So, I mean, I think that's important. It should be comforting for people to realize that their spiritual standing and spiritual life does not automatically correspond to all of these subjective experiences because that should comfort you. I think it should. I think you're right, but we've been taught pretty prevalently that your outside circumstances show how good you're doing. Right. You know, if you, if you can dream it, you can achieve it, things like that. And so if you're not achieving it, you're not dreaming it hard enough. You're not working hard enough. You're not doing something hard enough. Right. that sadly has gotten into the church uh, throughout time. And to be, you talk about like relieving pressure. I thought of it a different way. I thought of it from the pastoral side is that truth of God that it's not, you know, we are body and soul. We have these ups and downs and God doesn't change though. And so if God chose you Mm -hmm. at one point 
that's never going to change because right. he doesn't change. Yeah. He's chose you. Yeah. And so that's, good. that's comforting then for me as a Christian, but for me as a pastor who has to get up and preach and deliver God's word, it's comforting to know that I don't have to come up with things. Right. You know what I mean? To right. try to get us in a better mood. Right. Yeah. Because right. my mood doesn't really matter. What right. matters is the is the truth. And as we sure. know the truth, our moods will be changed and affected by by that That's mood. Right. So I thought of it kind of more that way as That's you were good. talking about that. It's just the comfort of not having to sit in my office and think of ways to make people happy. Right. Right. Or make people feel good. Yeah. Right. In creative ways. I've think. heard the phrase, I don't know if Spurgeon said it or somebody, but you can there are some people who can preach the gospel better, but they can't preach a better gospel. Right, yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's the that's the wonderful truth that mm-hmm. we have as teachers of the word. Sure. Um, so, yeah, so we're body and soul. We're subject to change. And one of the things we just need to do is just be honest about that. Sometimes we act as if we're going to be disembodied angels mm-hmm. and just always floating around in spiritual, <laughs> you know, spiritual ecstasy all the time. Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah. You know, all those kind. I mean, it's no. just, mm-hmm. No. We're That's not going to happen. That's right. And just just be real about it, man. Yeah. And that doesn't mean you go around and be a, a little, uh, you know, negative Nancy. Sorry, Nancy. But no, no. But I mean, don't go around. You don't you don't go show that off either in the sense in which just but but you're just for yourself internally. You're not just uh, you're not going to be uh, tossed around by this in your own soul. Yeah. By the fact that today you woke up and you don't feel like you love Jesus today. I mean, yeah. you know, he's still risen. He still died mm-hmm. for you, mm-hmm. and just trust him again. And let's just let's yep. let's get back at it. Yep. <laughs> I mean, that's what you have to do. Man. I mean, that's good right there, right? I mean, just, just but it's even in other things. Like I've been doing a couple weddings recently, and the people who got married had this bright idea to get married outside <laughs> in August, and it's so hot. And so, like the whole time you're there, you can look at everybody's face, absolutely everybody, and they're like. This stinks. Can we move this forward quicker? Can this service go as short as possible? I mean, literally, because I'll do really short weddings, like 15 minutes. People would come to me and be like, thank you for making sure we didn't go long, you know, type of things. So does that mean that everybody there hates marriage? Like, is that, that would be the question. Like, like I obviously hate marriage because I'm at a wedding and I'm not enjoying myself. I'm not so happy that of what's happening. I'm not just overflowing with the emotion of, of love and support. I must, I must hate this thing. No, it's hot. (laughs) Like, it's hot. We we are body and our bodies are saying, I'm hot. You know what I mean? Right. And, I don't know. I hope that kind of helps a little bit clarify right, what right, we're talking right, about. Right, here. right, right. Just because I felt that way at the wedding doesn't mean I'm not right. You know, that I'm not for marriage and yeah. love and happy for these two right. and excited right. about it. It's just this outside atmosphere is really getting at, getting right. at me. And it can be the same way in church. You know, yeah, sure. you walk in and someone says something that ticks you off, and yeah. you're like, oh man, and you're in there just all frustrated. It doesn't change, like you said. It doesn't. Right change who god is it doesn't change you love your love for god more or less either mm-hmm. it's just it it's is what are, it man. is yeah it's yeah who we are right what we deal with. <laughs> yeah and i think if we would just acknowledge that fact because whenever you don't acknowledge that fact one of the things that happens is you get stressed out then yeah even more mm-hmm. because you're thinking you shouldn't be this way yeah <laughs> right yeah and then that compounds the anxiety and the guilt <laughs> and the burden yeah yeah and so you're constantly doing what c.s lewis had said before about prayer you're trying to instead of 
praying for forgiveness of sins, you're trying to muster up the feeling of the joy of being forgiven yourself. That's what you're actually, you're trying to earn it and manufacture it all yourself. You can't do it. Trust God and just honestly just acknowledge the fact that you're, you're going to change. So he, he points that out. We are amphibians. We are body and soul, as Lewis says. So then he says that right after that, Screwtape tells Wormwood this amazing key insight. He says that God uses the troughs more than the peaks. In other words, he uses the low points Mm -hmm. even more than he does the high points. And he says this right here. Now, it may surprise you to learn that in his efforts to get permanent possession of a soul, he relies on the troughs even more than the peaks. Some of his special favorites have gone through longer and deeper troughs than anyone else. So this is an interesting insight. This Mm -hmm. goes against what we naturally think. Why does God use suffering or the, the, the dry times, the dull times, the ordinary times, more than the extraordinary, wonderful times that we do praise God for? But why does he use those times more than the other times? I think it starts because I think this could be a good place to start is that it shows us our need for him mm-hmm. in those times. Right. Because oftentimes we're experience something that we can't really handle Right. On our own, you know? Mm-hmm. So where else are we to run mm-hmm. than to in the arms of God? Yep. And I think in that, it really, it, it kind of forces us to trust him with, right. with everything, especially, the, you know, the, whatever situation that you're in. So mm-hmm. that's really good. Yeah. He, he puts us in difficult situations. So we have to lean on, yeah. on him yeah. because other times we think we can lean on ourselves. Tim? I could be way off base here. Can you guys think of any scriptural reference that says God will use suffering more than blessing in your in your walk with Him? Well, I do not explicitly. I don't think. I mean, I can think of where it says, you know, God will discipline His children mm-hmm. in Hebrews. I can think of some things like that. I, I, go ahead. Which tends to make me think because I can't think of any. Now, you might find one and that that will change things, but it tends to make me think the reason that God uses the suffering more than the high times isn't because the high times don't teach us things and don't draw us closer to God. It's just, that's because of our weakness. Mm. I think that's our problem. Yeah. We could learn just as much from the good times, from the blessings, mm-hmm. but we, in our weakness and our pride and our yeah. arrogance and all of this, it blinds us right, to that. Right, yeah. But like Matt said, when, when we're brought low and we face these difficulties, mm-hmm. then we're finally open to seeing mm-hmm. yeah. that more so. Yeah. And so I really That's think good. it's a, a hit on, on us, yeah. Yeah. on our weaknesses, as opposed to, because I, I think it'd be foolish to say, yeah, you're riding this high. God must not really have anything to teach you right now. <laughs> No, I, I don't think that's true either. I think it's definitely do. Uh, yeah. No, or, you know, you're doing really good. God must not love you much right now. He really loves you when you suffer. Right. I don't right, think that's yeah. true either. Right, so right. I think it says more about us really than it does God. Right. There is, um, yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that um, one of the things that came to my mind was Deuteronomy chapter 8, mm-hmm. um, where Moses says this to the people of Israel, and you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his mm-hmm. commandments or not. And he humbled you 
He let you suffer. He let you go through the troughs and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, Mm -hmm. that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you, and your foot did not swell these 40 years. (laughs) Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines (laughs) you. So the Lord's saying... First, you know, I, I did this. I let you suffer and I let you go through the troughs because this is how I treat my kids. Mm-hmm. And that was the temptation Satan came to Jesus right. and said, if you're really one, if you're really Jesus' son, he doesn't let his kids suffer. Mm-hmm. And Jesus yeah, basically says, didn't you read the book of Deuteronomy? Because mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> God says, this is how I treat my kids. Mm-hmm. If you're my son, this is how I treat you. Mm-hmm. And second of all, he's doing it to teach us like what you're saying. We still live by everything that comes from God's word, even in the good times Mm -hmm. from God's mouth. We're still dependent upon him, but we sometimes don't really think that we are. And so he has to let us go through those times Mm -hmm. so that way we can know that Mm -hmm. we do live by everything that comes from his mouth and not by the things of this world. Mm -hmm. He's the source. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah, you're not going to avoid suffering. I guess what I said, you know, is right. I don't think, again, I don't think God wants to teach us more in suffering than He does at other times. I just think we're more. It's kind of like there's sin in the world, so suffering's going to happen. You're going to face these things, but don't think that you're facing these things alone. Don't think you're facing these things for no reason, mm-hmm. right? I allow my children to go through these things to show them areas of their life that they just simply are blind to mm-hmm. when things are going good, right. you know? And, and so I think God is always teaching us and working on us. And we, we need to know that and understand that in each of our yeah. situations and circumstances. Yeah. He, um, he's using those times to shape us and to, to change us. He says um, this, I, I love this, this uh, little um, section. He talks about the difference between uh the forces of spiritual darkness and what God the Father wants. Um, and, and, and by the way, in a quick little thing here, this is not in the Bible. No. But, but one of the things he says, because he, he's going to talk about, I, um, is that the demons want to use the soul of these people for food, which we obviously think is extra biblical. We don't think that's there. But, so don't take this as, as scriptural truth here. But this is still a beautiful thing where he, he contrasts uh, the forces of spiritual darkness and what our Father wants with the same people. So he's talking about uh, the human souls, humans. He says, we want cattle, talking mm-hmm. about we want these people. We want cattle who can finally become food. He, God the Father, wants servants who can finally become sons. We want to suck in. He wants to give out. We are empty and would be filled. He is full and flows over. Our war aim is a world in which our father below, Satan he's talking about, has drawn all other beings into himself. The enemy, talking about God the Father, wants a world full of beings united to him, but still distinct. What a wonderful picture that is of God the Father who's always full and yet flowing <laughs> over, giving himself to us. Yeah. And it's in those troughs. It wasn't, notice, Israel did not get the manna in Egypt. They got the manna whenever there was no other place to get food mm-hmm. in the desert. Mm-hmm. They didn't get water from the rock in Egypt. Mm-hmm. They got water from the rock whenever there was no other place to get water in the desert mm-hmm. to teach them that everything comes from, comes from God. Yeah, reading that, I mean, it really made me think of the world, you know, it said, we want cattle that we can eat, you know, all this stuff. That is the world. When we give in to the lie of the world, you know, if we think that uh, 
that world just wants what's good for you, to, to lift you up mm. and to elevate you. We see how that just isn't the case. Because yeah. when you uh, see, like, let's say an athlete or whatever, right, that has all this success, one of the first things that's put on them is like, well, what are you doing for your hometown? What are you doing for your community? Mm. What are you giving to? What charity, you know, what, how are you helping, blah, blah, blah. They start getting peppered, and it's not about, we are happy that you are doing well. Right. We are happy that you are succeeding and that you are blossoming. It always turns into, but what are you doing for me? Right. What are you doing for us? What, what are you doing for this? What are you doing for that? And they just, just devouring, right? Yep. Just devouring. And that's, that's so true that we can just, we can see that play out. That's what the world wants is to devour. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they might say, we're for your betterment. We're for your good so that you can be an individual so that you can be this and that. Right. No, in the end, it's, to seek, devour, and to destroy, mm-hmm. and to destroy you, and where God is the is the opposite of that. It's mm-hmm. He should devour us, right? <clears throat> he should pour wrath on us, but instead, He saves us by His grace, fills us with His righteousness and His love, gives us this freedom in Him to live this life in the ebbs and flows of mm-hmm. in the ebbs and flows of life. And he's conforming us into the image of his son, but it, it's interesting how it said, how Lewis there says, united in him, but still distinct. distinct. Mm-hmm. And that's true, right? I mean, you go around the world and you find Christians and how they're different than us, and they're not, they don't have to be like me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have similarities right. found in Christ and mm-hmm. in his word, but I'm not looking for them to dress like me. I'm not looking for them to talk like me you know or look mm-hmm. like me mm-hmm. i want them to be them you know that's mm-hmm. how the kingdom of god is yeah. shaped to me that's what he's doing mm-hmm. i like that I, I i'm getting to know spencer a little better because as i read this i said he's going to read this section i know it so i was ready for it <laughs> wow so I was that predictable it. now no no i just that pred- no our relationship's right. just growing wow that's yeah Really don't change. Sp- it's really special. Don't change. It's really change. special. Don't change. Yeah. Hey, you know, I mean, right before this, we were kind of having a heated conversation a little bit. It was a good conversation. Yeah. And so our relationship is really just, uh, yeah, it's just growing. See? Growing, yeah. Kind of like this through the troughs and through the peaks. <laughs> I mean, it's just great. Um, now, right before that, I didn't read this part, though. He says this. He says, he has absorbed them. Uh, or he says, not, not because he has absorbed, but he says that God wants their wills freely to conform to his. And I thought about this too. Part of being a son or daughter of God is to have our wills conformed to God's will. Um, it made me think about when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's the son and he prays, Abba, Father, not my will, mm-hmm. but yours mm-hmm. be done. Yeah. Yeah. And also we're taught in the Lord's Prayer it's the children's prayer because we pray our father and we say your kingdom come your will be done on yeah. earth as it is in heaven part of being a child of god is is having our our hearts brought into loving unity and harmony with god's will as our father um, and that's what God is using these troughs for. That's what he was doing in the Old Testament for. That's what he was doing in Job's life and in Christ's life. Remember, he learned obedience as a son, mm-hmm. we're yeah. told in Hebrews. Yeah. And that's what he's doing in us. He's making us into sons and daughters. He's, he's, if we're believers, he's, he's made us officially his sons and daughters. We're, we've, we're adopted, but now he's treating us mm-hmm. and, and, and forming us more mm-hmm. and more and more into um, into his image and, and conforming our will. And so to contrast that, 
like Satan's goal is for everyone to be bound yeah. in their sin and ultimately to, to Des- die, to destroy in their sin, to destroy. Right. Um, I'm thinking of the, the demon possessed man outside. I'm not sure what, yeah. what town, but when, when like the demons inside of him were trying <laughs> to get him to kill himself. Yeah. Like their goal was for him to die right in his, in his demon possession. But when Christ frees the, right. uh, frees him from the demon, the demons immediately, uh, not immediately that he has, they have a conversation with Jesus, but they go into the pigs. Right. And what, what do the pigs do immediately when they have the demons drown? They drown in the water. So like Satan and the demons goal is for all of us to die separated from mm-hmm. Christ separated from God right in eternal damnation right. and punishment yeah because there is no life yeah apart from God remember yeah. Deuteronomy and Moses will say he is your life yeah he is your capital L life God yeah. is yeah there's no life apart from him yeah and Satan's goal is to is to destroy us and to to lead us away um so then he talks about how, what our father is, who he is. And um, then lastly, Screwtape tells Wormwood that God does not override the human will. Now, this is something where, of course, I think we would probably want to nuance a little bit. Um, but I think overall we agree with probably the spirit Intent. of what he's trying <laughs> to say. So one of the things he says about this is that God does... Um, one of the things he said is that, is that God does not... Um, override a human will. Now, first of all, let's just talk about that real quick before we go any farther. Does God override or affect people's wills in salvation? Yes or no? I think what we're talking about here is difficult to talk about. Can we establish that first? Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. I mean, trying to grasp, it it is hard to grasp in scripture how it talks about before the foundations of the earth were ever put in place right god has a plan and god your days are numbered right your your footsteps are are going to be like all these things we can't deny that in scripture but we also can't deny the fact that it says there we have this free will we we have these choices we make these things right and so trying to trying to put those together in a human mind is is really difficult. Right. That's why I think when you you know you said we understand the intent with what he's saying, but there might be some nuances that we right. would disagree right. with. Yeah. It's well, because it is we hard even to have, talk about. We even have John six that says we are drawn. Yeah, yeah. By the Father, sure. All that stuff. I mean, it. You, you can't. <laughs> people try, I guess, to deny. It. You can't really deny it. It's right. it's in there, yeah, and right. and so. Right. We're now trying to, to talk about that. Right. Of right. How, how does this work? How right. does this get? So I guess, so the question is, let's start first. So um, in people in sin, um, are our wills now in sin after the fall, not talking pre-fall, after the fall, are our sins enslaved to sin now? Are we enslaved to sin like Jesus? I think I think about Jesus. Remember, Jesus says, "Anyone who commits sin is a slave to sin." So yeah, we sin. Wills, we sin because we're we're sinners. I mean, right? That, yeah. Right. So, so our we, wills but are. We are. Yeah. We we sin. We choose freely and deliberately right, to sin right. against God. Is not forcing a us holy to sin, God. He's right. not forcing us 
not forcing us to right. sin. I think this is where people do get confused, and it's something maybe that needs to be said sure. a lot. You know, um, I, I don't think there are people, you know, dying to get into heaven and God stiff arming them. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, right. no, I don't like you. Right. We don't. We don't see that. And so, right. going back even into the Old Testament, what we talked about a little bit with Esther, when God would tell Israel to destroy a city. We have to believe and trust in God and his character and everything we know about him to know that even if a prophet went in there and started sharing the gospel, it wasn't going to happen. These people were not choosing God. They weren't choosing mm-hmm. God. And therefore, he's perfectly just in what he has done by saying, mm-hmm. destroy, destroy that city. Now, we could talk some nuance, I guess, about some passages that sure. said, if this had been done in this city, yeah. they would right? We right, could talk sure. about that. Sure. Right. A little bit more later, maybe, but yeah, but a lot of people like to quote like Romans three, uh, eight, uh, no, eleven through eighteen, which really oh, yeah. is, just goes back to he's just quoting the Psalms there, right? Uh, no one understands. But like there is, there's no, there's no one who does good. There is no right. one who seeks to do good. Right. Uh, and then back in the Psalms, uh, the fool says in his heart, "There is no God." Right. So, I mean, I think that's where, <laughs> mm-hmm. that's, I think, the epitome of saying that we are enslaved to sin. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you also have the, he kind of, I forget where this is, but we are, says we are dead in our trespasses. That's yeah. also in Romans. So, if you're dead, there's no life in you. Right. There's no raising a limb. There's no opening right. your eyes unless something externally. Yeah. Right. Comes to make you alive. Right. 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 So you have, you can kind of have the illustration of, you know, you're floating in the ocean and someone throws you a life preserver. Right. Or you're completely dead at the bottom of the ocean and someone externally comes and lifts you up, right. gives you a life preserver right. sure. and drags you to sure. the shore. I think those are kind of the two yeah. competing. Uh, yeah analogies analogies sure you know i think the the this is what we're saying here is that in sin our wills are enslaved to sin only there's there's no way for us to do anything that's truly good unless god by the holy spirit comes and sets us free and and so sets our our wills free again so that we come to christ freely so God, I think that if we also portrayed to people and, and helped utilize the imagery, the fact that God sets, our wills are only truly free whenever the Holy Spirit causes us to be born again, yeah. changes us, and we freely then do embrace Christ yeah, because we want to, because yeah. we're alive now. Yeah. <laughs> it's just Ezekiel 37, right? The dead bones, right? Mm-hmm. The bones are dead. That's us. Yeah. But then whenever God sends a preacher to take the word yeah. and proclaim it, the Holy Spirit comes and puts flesh on those bones yeah. and causes yep. them to stand, makes them yep. alive. Ezekiel 36, I'll take your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. That's right. That's right. So God is setting us free, loosing the chains so that we now can embrace Jesus Christ and look to him because Christ is saving us. Yeah. And so we want to just say that real quick at the outset whenever we're talking about the will, what we're talking mm-hmm. about because... Um, we don't want to deny that that God doesn't come and set us free in our wills. He definitely right. does do that. We praise God for that Absolutely. because no one would be saved yeah. if he didn't come and do that. Um, at the same time, I think I, I really do appreciate much of what Lewis is going to yeah. say here. 
one of the things he says is that that God is God uses he's talking about God using these troughs, but one of the things he says here is this. He says that and, and initially, and this is true, isn't this, for um our early part of our Christian life, he says he is prepared to do a little overriding at the beginning. He will set them off with communications of his presence, which, though faint, seem great to them with emotional sweetness and easy conquest over temptation. Now at the beginning of our Christian life, sometimes God will because we're we're new believers, he might give us uh, great feelings about the gospel and about Jesus Christ. Yeah, sure. So kind of like whenever you're newly dating somebody, right? Or you just got <laughs> married, right? Like you did some marriages, right? Some uh, weddings. Mm-hmm. And initially you're like, yes, I love my wife. But then you get about six months in or a year later and you're like, you know, you're not the same person I thought you were, you know, <laughs> or something like that. You know, and I mean that in the great sense. I think yeah, everybody, you know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, but why? Because you're sinners and you're learning to, to what, what each other's yeah. like, right? Um, and I think that that happens. The, the emotional high has gone down. That doesn't mean you don't love them anymore. Mm-hmm. You probably love them more. Yeah. But the emotional sweetness, I think, is what he says here, can can go down. And then he says this, but he never allows, this is uh, screw tape in the letters again, but he never allows this state of affairs to last long. Um, and eventually he says, he leaves the creature to stand up on its own legs to carry out, and I love this little line, to carry out from the will alone duties which have lost all relish. It is during such peri- trough periods those down periods, he's saying, much more than during the peak periods that it is growing into the sort of creature he wants it to be. He says that whenever the whenever a believer carries out those duties, which he's lost all relish doing. In other words, he's doing them because he knows that they're the right thing to do and he wants to do what's right, yeah. even though it may not have the emotional pizzazz anymore. He says that's wonderful in God's sight. What do you think about that? Yeah, and they may even fall, he said. Yeah. At one point, he says they may even even fall, but but that God delights in that because yeah. they're they're trying. And he compared it right to walking as a baby, yeah. right? Trying that God. I think I think he did. He, God holds them, mm-hmm. and the baby has to walk. But at some point, you let your hands off right. to try to let them sure. walk, and they're trying, and you're happy in that. Yeah. And they stumble. That's okay. Let's right. keep, going. keep going. Keep going. Keep yeah. going. You know, type of thing. That's wonderful. Yeah, and that's a good picture, I think, of mm-hmm. us in our mm-hmm. in our walk with with God. You know, we're so tainted by sin and the things of this world that we have these desires to do good and. God in his grace takes his hands, you know, and is like, go, do, do good. And we get to be a part of his kingdom and do these right. good things. He lets us, lets us do this. But yet we fall and we fail and we have these difficult times like you're talking about. But I think as we continue to strive in those things, whether the fruit being produced is, you know, just over an overabundance of fruit or very little to none at all. Yeah. I think the point that's being made here is that the father is still, Mm-hmm. happy and right. using yeah. you know and using and that's that's the warning that he's giving here to this other demon saying mm-hmm. you think you did this right you think you've made him into right. the state right no this is just a normal life right, right. and if you're not careful mm-hmm. it's going to be used against you actually right actually. <laughs> right. right right it's a da- it, it's I, I think it's wonderful because what it does is it reminds us of what faith is faith is a motion of the will i was reading an old writer 
um, and I've, I've returned to him multiple times. But one of the things he always reminds you is that salvation of faith. Are you seeking salvation in Christ alone? So it doesn't matter what you're feeling. Are you seeking salvation by your will? Faith is a motion of the will, not an emotion. Faith is trusting the facts of what Christ has done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that whenever we start doing that, we're starting to trust God and not our faith. Because we, we, one of the problems can be is that we have faith in our faith. Yeah. We have faith in our Christian experience. We start mm-hmm. trusting our Christian experience. We start trusting the fact that I made that decision, mm-hmm. or I'm trusting the fact that I walked that aisle, or I'm trusting the fact that, that I have this ooey-gooey relationship with Jesus. Now, it's great that you have joy in your heart for Christ, but mm-hmm. that is not your salvation. Right. So as you talk about this, I can't help but thinking about parenting, and parents, that um, God gives us these kids, but they're free wills and they're sinners. Mm -hmm. And so often I think our strategy is not in line with God's strategy. Mm. Our strategy is you better swallow this pill of Christianity, whether you like it or not, (laughs) right? We are going to force this in you. Sure. And you're going to like church and you're going to like to read the Bible and you're going to like when we do family worship and when we pray, you're going to pray good, right? You're going to close your eyes and you're going to fold your hands and you're going to do these things. And, uh, right. We forget that that's, that's not how it works. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's a, it's a tough battle. I think though, as parents of, of that line of, you know, when to force your kids into things versus letting them by their own will mm-hmm. hopefully see that and let God work in them and let God mm-hmm. usher them in, into these things. It, it's really hard for, I know for me and parenting and others as well, to, to draw that line. You know, we think of spare the rod, spoil the child, so we try to beat them into heaven, and that's not possible, right? That's not, that's mm-hmm. not doable. Um, I think we take that verse out of context there, but I do, you know, if we think it's going to save them right. and save their souls. Um, and I've seen a lot of harm done, I think, in parenting at times where you've yeah. seen it forced too much yeah. that uh, they just completely rebel, completely rebel later. But I think maybe that'd be, you know, a good little thing to mm-hmm. think about or discuss even just to make this practical right. in that sense right. of, of loving your kids well to help them to see the freedom that God gives in Christ and giving them some of that freedom, even if they're not Christians yep. yet, but to help them to get a taste of that that freedom that we have in Christ, mm-hmm. of forgiveness and grace. And yep. um, I don't know. It's just what keeps coming to my yeah. mind as you're, as you're right. talking about this because we try to force them into it. Yeah. Into a hole, and a lot of people, a lot of parents I know, really struggle because their kids just aren't fitting in the hole, yeah. <laughs> and they put blame on themselves right. almost. Right, and also, as a parent and as Christians, another thing it should ask us is, why am I a Christian? Why do I believe Christianity is true? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think about this because I was listening to a a podcast, and uh, they recently were talking about this whole topic about whenever you ask people, why is Christianity true? And, um, and if it's not because I believe these things are factually true mm-hmm. for, and they're, they're offered to me by God, and that means it's outside of me, and I, and I look to it, um, we're going to be easily led astray. And I think our children need to know that, you know, so for instance, we read the Bible, not because this makes us holy, 
but because this book is true and we need it. And all, motivation, your kids are going to get your motivations for doing things too. Yeah. They're going to see the fact that whenever you love God, whenever it's great, um, whenever you feel like it or whenever you don't feel like it, they're going to, they're going to get those, um, they're going to, they're going to pick that up. Kids are smart and mm-hmm. they're going to sniff that out. Um, mm-hmm. so making sure that we're always anchored it back in, back into Christ. Um, let's close real quick here with one last, um, <clears throat> One last quote from from this book. It's at the very end of this letter. He says here, Our cause is never more in danger than when a human, no longer desiring but still intending to do our enemy's will, looks round upon a universe which from every trace of him seems to have vanished and asks why he has been forsaken and still obeys. Wow. Yeah, that's a beautiful picture of yeah. what we should be as Christians. Yeah. The faithfulness. Right. That even though everything around me is pointing right. to run, <clears throat> right. I'm not running. I'm holding I'm holding right. firm to this cornerstone. Right. To this truth. It yeah. made me think about Jesus mm. on the cross, right? My mm. God, my God, why have you forsaken yeah. me? <laughs> and in his humanity it it definitely looked fearsome, mm-hmm. scary, and yet he was determined to do what the Father had asked him to do. And for us as Christians, we're going to go through seasons, and sometimes you're going to be like, do I believe anything? Do I know anything is true? What is life all about? And yet you still look to Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You still look to him. Whenever, whenever, that won't bother, whenever those things like that, Whenever you're able to push through the dryness and the dullness and still look to him, that's a wonderful thing mm-hmm. in God's eyes, I think. Yeah, I do too. Perseverance is a big thing in scripture. Yeah, it that is. That we don't talk about a lot. Yeah, you that's know, a good point. Especially in our realms. I mean, we talk about when God saves you, he saves you forever. Right. And, you know, salvation is not a, a work that you do. It's a work that God does. We say these things and we tend to forget about the whole perseverance thing that... We are called to persevere. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. what we are called to right. do. That's our, that's our duty to the Lord is to, to persevere. And yeah. sadly, we see a lot of people not persevere. And no, we would say that's a right. sign of, right. I, I don't know if they were ever Christians because Christians will persevere. We are going, you know, yeah. you isn't will. It, isn't it funny even the word persevere? Like it's not like a it's not like a word of uh, kicks and giggles, right? No, right? <laughs> yeah. it's not like oh boy, it's yeah. fun persevering. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. it's yeah. it's hard work. It's hard, yeah. but I mean, but Paul doesn't dodge that. I mean, no. he he talks about perseverance, and you know, he talks about training himself to persevere. But when he talks about training himself, he's like, I beat my body into subjection. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> that's not fun, but that's. That's what right. true Christians do. That when we're facing all of these things, like I'm beating my body because my body is saying, get out of here. My body is saying, this obviously isn't working. You know, my right. body is saying these things. So I am fighting that. Right. I am fighting that saying, yeah. no, this is true. I'm, I'm beating it to death, hopefully. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm persevering. Right. I mean, that's the picture that we have right. there. And that's, right. yeah, no one signs up for that class. Like, this is <laughs> right. what we're going to do today. But it's it is what we are called right. called to right yeah. right right um, be faithful right now um, keep going 
and you'll find contentment and joy. It will come, hmm. but you got to keep going. Just put one. Jesus says, right? You can't look behind. Mm-hmm. You got to put your hands to the plow. Don't look behind you anymore. Yeah. Just keep going. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that's so encouraging to hear is that even our plotting and going one step at a time mm-hmm. through it is still, God blesses that. Yeah. He still loves it whenever we do that, when we just keep going, when we wake up in the day and we say, you know what? He's risen. He's alive. I'm going to serve my neighbor and I love my family. And and God ultimately, oftentimes, even in small ways throughout our days, will bless us with joy and with mm-hmm. blessings throughout our day if we're faithful like that, because it's in those very ordinary things that, that He blesses us, I think, mm-hmm. in ways like that. Any other thoughts as we kind of wrap up here? Is Scott still a part of this podcast? <laughs> I'll just say, I just want to. Yeah, by the way, I want you, to speak, by the time I want you to speak a little <laughs> yeah. bit about this because you mentioned that he made fun of me on the video. Yeah, we less. found your Bible right. <laughs> and Matt used it in the video <laughs> and all that we could come up with because you were gone on vacation and that you had vacation from God's word as well. That you Because you left it behind. So he wasn't that, persevering on his vacation. Is, Scott was sorry. wondering if that's you know what your vacation Scott would is. wonder that, yeah. You know, I think that made it in the video, didn't it? I think so. <laughs> wow, that's wow. That kind of, I guess you know what? I don't need to say anything because I think everyone listening heard loud and clear what Scott said. And yeah, I think they can judge for themselves about whether or not he was. was I practicing. told them that you probably had it memorized, so you didn't need it. Wow, yeah, thy word have I hid in <laughs> my heart, <laughs> and. No. <laughs> Uh, so I tried uh, to stick up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the halo above me is growing. It's, it's growing. Um, no. So, okay. Well, good. Well, thanks for uh, listening, guys. Thanks for the conversation as we've uh, sat around the table here. Um, we really appreciate your, your listening to us. We hope it's encouraging for you and uh, hope that you're able to utilize these podcasts in different ways. And it's always encouraging for us to hear um, how you're enjoying them or learning from them or having conversations um, uh, based upon these these podcasts. So please continue to listen and please uh, think. And we uh, we hope that it's uh, it's prompting good conversations with you and your family um, at home or with your friends or with others in the church. So thank you so much for listening. Take care and God bless. Mm-hmm.